On Monday, April 12th, 2021, the website Nonveni Pachem reported that the Carmelite sisters in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia had vanished. They had precipitously vanished from view. Uh, they departed their monastery and headed for Nebraska. I think a lot of you saw that article. A lot of people are wondering why. A lot of people in Catholic media have neglected to report on it. I personally have wanted to wait until I could gather some facts and uh, understand the situation rather than to speculate. And I'm able to confirm this evening. Good evening. Nice to see you, Mike, here with Restoring the Faith. Um, I am able to confirm with you some of the details as to what has happened and the troubling trend, as I'm going to show you, that is occurring with the traditional orders in the United States. It's spreading like a wildfire. But first, I want to show you just a little bit about the beauty of the Carmelite sisters, the Discalce contemplative sisters in Philadelphia that are now gone. Uh, here's a quick little preview of what it looked like. I got to tell you, this monastery was founded only five years after the death of St. Teresa of Lisieux. So you have a Carmelite monastery founded in Philadelphia, one of the oldest archdioceses in the United States, five years after the death of St. Teresa of Lisieux, founded in 1902. Uh, in 2017, the monastery was down to three sisters, but uh, in that year, at the invitation of former Archbishop Chaput, um, there were 10 new members of the Carmelites from, uh, from Nebraska and from Pennsylvania, and they converged there and they joined, and it became a traditional monastery. And I think we're all going to see uh, during the course of this presentation, this discussion, that the very reason why this monastery no longer exists in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and why the Archbishop of Philadelphia, who can respond to requests to invite Jimmy Martin, SJ into his archdiocese uh, is remains silent, absolutely silent on anybody who asks him what happened. So I want to start by first just setting the stage. If you read anything about Our Lady of Good Success, this is a perfect example. I was reading about this just the other day, uh, Mother Mariana. When you read about the incredible life of this woman. Uh, involved in Quito, Ecuador, Our Lady of Good Success. Not a Carmelite order, different order. And you see all the miracles that were worked in Quito and all of the graces that were given to that city by the fact that our, our Lord promised that there would be one, at least one 
holy sister in that order um, until the end of time. And it was because of one holy soul praying for her city, praying for her jurisdiction, for her ordinary, in, uh, in Quito, Ecuador, that the wrath of Almighty God is, uh, was stayed. So it is, it is a huge blessing to a parish. It is a huge blessing to a diocese, to a state, to a region, to a county, to a zip code, to have a traditional contemplative order of sisters praying for them. The spiritual goods. Now, a lot of people, in, look, in the, in the modernist church, in new church, uh, in the new theology, in the novel theology, there's this focus on Americanism, right? There's this focus on action. Just focus on picketing. And you say, well, unless the sisters are out feeding the hungry and clothing the poor and visiting the imprisoned, then they're not really doing anything. And there is this sort of instinct, even I think in Orthodox, conservative, traditional uh, Catholics, to say, well, you know, they're not really doing much. Like, what are they actually contributing, you know? This is an instinct that we need to fight because when you understand the economy of grace and when you really think about how the wrath of Almighty God is stayed by just one, one traditional sister. Uh, you, you sort of get the sense that, okay, I need to, I need to really reevaluate how I'm thinking about this. And uh, so for them to, pre- pre- to precipitously depart, okay, this happened just two weeks ago, Archdiocese of Philadelphia, young women in their 20s and 30s who have made their vows they wear their habit. They pray for Philadelphia. They pray for the ordinary there. They pray for the church there. They pray, pray, pray. They left. They went to Holy Mass on a Friday afternoon. They received communion. They left. They walked out. Their bags were already packed. They got in a van and they left. They bolted. And they drove nonstop all the way to Nebraska. They drove nonstop all the way to Nebraska because it's part of the Carmelite charism that they receive Holy Communion every day, that they hear Mass every day. So they drove through the night. They bolted in the night, and they made it to Nebraska, and they made it to Holy Mass. One sister stayed behind. Now, I have multiple sources telling me exactly what happened and why and who's there and who left and why they left. I'm going to report some of that to you. I'm not going to disclose absolutely everything that I know. But you have to start from the premise that it is a tremendous, immeasurable blessing to have a Carmelite order in your archdiocese. And you really have to mess up. You really have to screw it up to lose them, to cause them to bolt in the night. The one person who left, who left, who stayed behind, is actually somebody in leadership, and she's going down with her ship. And it's a noble thing to do. Okay, so the response. What is the response, right? Okay, so now we have this scandal. This is a scandal. There's only one way to describe this: Carmelite sisters who stay within their cloister. They don't leave the cloister. They don't go grocery shopping. They don't go out. They don't go to Barnes and Noble and read a book. And yet they all got in vans and left. They bolted in the night. They drove overnight and sought refuge with fellow traditional Carmelite sisters in Nebraska. Why would they do that? 
And why would the Archdiocese, which can answer questions about whether or not James Martin S.J. is invited to come speak, why would the Archdiocese be silent? This is a question worth asking. So we did. Uh, responses from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. First of all, non, uh, Nonveni Pachem reached out prior to publishing the breaking story. Uh, bumpkins. Nothing. Nothing from the Archdiocese. Uh, later on, the Archdiocese did respond. Kenneth Griffin, who is the chief uh, communications officer of the Archdiocese, said, quote, The Carmelite nuns have made the decision to transfer to the Carmelite Monastery of Valparaiso, Nebraska. That action was taken of their own volition. They were neither asked nor forced to leave. It is most regrettable, however, that the current circumstances will almost certainly result in the necessity of closing the Philadelphia Carmel. Okay, so we have to ask ourselves whether or not this has anything to do with the traditional Latin Mass, and we have to ask ourselves whether or not this has anything to do with Cor Orans. Because Cor Orans, uh, which, which is the the latest order coming out of the Vatican. You probably heard about it. It governs, it's a, it's a change in how the governance system works for orders. It creates these federations rather than giving each house its own autonomy underneath the bishop. It creates these federations, and these federations are tied to each other not by charism, but by geography. And so we have to ask ourselves, were these sisters, these Carmelite sisters, forced into a federation with the Novus Ordo? Were they forced to accept a theology and a liturgy that doesn't match the perennial teaching of the Catholic faith and the, what they signed up to do? That's the question that we need to ask. So, um, let's, let's, just, let's just, I want to show you a couple things. This is Concord. Carmelite nuns leaving Concord. Okay, that's a data point. Oh, look, here's Erie, Pennsylvania. Carmelite Monastery closing after more than 60 years. Where did they go? Hmm, fascinating. Oh, look, here's Hogue. Letter announcing closing of Carmelite Monastery in, in Hague, North Dakota. Hague, sorry, not Hogue. All of these are related to Cor Orans. All of them are related to Cor Orans. It instructs the monasteries to belong to, to become a federation of monasteries. All of this is happening de facto from Rome. Your greatest fears, I'm sad to announce at this late hour, ladies and gentlemen, on a very special breaking uh, news story from Restoring the Faith exclusive, that when you when you when you read Cor Orange, you'll understand that the Vatican is now taking control of orders. It's no longer even up to the local bishops. And the persecution of the traditionalists is real, it's happening, it's spreading. Um so what do we do about it? What 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 do we do? What can we do? Well, the first thing that we can and should do is we should be praying. should be praying. I'm sure you've noticed uh, that I'm not in the Restoring the Faith studio right now, and I won't be for a long time now. I'm, I'm re 
configuring some things. And so this is the temporary RTF studio. Um, but over my shoulder here, you see Our Lady of Perpetual Help. I recommend uh, cultivating a relationship with Our Lady of Perpetual Help and begging her for mercy if you happen to have the grace, if you're one of the few people that has the grace of having traditional Carmelite sisters in your archdiocese, definitely pray for them, develop a relationship with them, because it is perhaps their prayers, their holiness, their sanctity, which is going to stay the wrath of Almighty God, which is certain to come. I mean, it was foretold to come, and we can just see it coming. Can't you just feel it coming? Can't you see it coming? Um. I want to commend non, uh, Nonveni Pachem for the excellent journalism that they've done. They're much more uh, j- journalists than I am. I'm more of a commentator on events, but enough people have reached out to me with information, uh, verifiable information, that I, I wanted to break this story open and at least start the conversation because the fact of the matter is that outside of guys like Father Dave Nix, uh, who linked to this on his blog and on, on YouTube, Father Z linked to it on his blog. Outside of a couple voices who are asking questions about this, I think a lot of people are maybe missing it. A lot of people are just hanging on to what is the next, the latest word from Archbishop Vigano, right? Because Vigano gets clicks. A lot of people are like, okay, what's the latest with Biden and the, and the Great Reset and the New World Order? Because that gets clicks. But when you look at the spiritual economy, the economy of grace, the fact that 15 or 20 or 25 young women, 20s and 30s, who made a perpetual vow of poverty, of chastity, of obedience in the Carmelite order, that they received our Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist, on their tongues, while kneeling in this beautiful chapel, adorned with images of the holy face of St. Teresa of Lisieux, built just five years after the death of St. Teresa of Lisieux, the fact that these sisters, as soon as they stood up after receiving our Lord, they they made their thanksgiving, they walked outside, they got in a van, and they bolted in the night. It's negligence that nobody else is talking about this. It's negligence that no other Catholic commentator cares enough about this story to break it open, start the conversation, and ask the Archbishop of Philadelphia, what the heck is going on in your jurisdiction? Why is there a dearth of Latin masses in your, in your jurisdiction? Why are you targeting these sisters, these poor sisters? What is going on? Why does the FSSP struggle in your archdiocese, your excellency? Why did you just lose the Carmelites? Why does your director of communication say, oh, it's really sad. We're going to have to figure out how to sell this property. Yeah, that is really sad, isn't that, Kevin? It's pretty sad. It's tragic. It's a scandal. You can respond to questions about whether or not James Martin is coming to town, but you can't respond to questions about why 25 30-year-old Carmelite sisters left your archdiocese? It's a shame. It's unspeakable. Well, but in the Novus Ordo religion, they don't really do anything. 
right? They don't really do anything because they're just quiet. They stay in their cloister. They pray. Okay, prayer is good. Yeah, yeah, we read about prayer is good. But what we really need to do is we need to clothe the poor. We need to, we need to clothe the naked and feed the poor and do all these things. We have to be active. And if you're not active, then you're just kind of like, you're just a mouth to feed. And I don't want to feed these mouths anymore. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to slam them together in these confederations with the Novus Ordo, force them to accept the new theology, the new rites, the new everything, and uh, have absolutely no respect for their charism or the vows that they have made. So all but one have left. All but one. All but one have left this monastery. And uh, again, my gratitude to Nonveni Pachem for picking this up. Uh, share this video. I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to keep it viewable, viewable so that people can share it. This is something we need to be talking about, ladies and gentlemen. If this happened in your backyard, you would be ticked off and you would be right to be ticked off. I'm ticked off. I'm ticked off and I'm not even there. I'm not in Philadelphia. But what is happening in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia? We deserve answers to these questions and I encourage all of you to ask these questions, especially those of you that do live in Philadelphia, brotherly love, the first capital of the United States, one of the oldest archdioceses, one of the most storied places, truly one of the most historical Catholic places in the United States. And you just lost your monastery of Carmelite nuns because of your own actions, most likely. Explain it to me. Explain it to all of us. God bless you. Mm -hmm.